Hello and welcome to the Saints Score on Voice FM 103.9 as well as all of your good podcasting platforms. We're back for a second consecutive week, but we've lost Ollie. Uh, Jamie, we've not heard from him since the last time that you've heard from him, so we're going to see what happens there. But I do have Mikey. How are you doing this week? Good. It's been an interesting week um, but, mm. you know, with like deadlines and places I've been and all that sort of stuff so it's been it's been good it's been good um exhausting I am very tired right now I didn't sleep well um so I I am sort of hanging off a cliff at the moment but I'm sure I'll be able to Mikey no you've got to you've got to be positive tell me positive things that have happened in the last seven days I can go yes I mean it's not positive but I went to haven't uh I uh, went to have them to um, help him record a game uh, for PA. Met Scott, who's the performance analyst down there, uh, which is very nice. Um, very nice man. Uh, quite a nice club. Um, and uh, they were playing for the playoffs and they lost 2 0 uh, yeah. and they didn't make the playoffs. So the mood around the club wasn't like good at the end of it, which was a bit of a shame. Um, but that sort of distracted me from the football that was happening also on Saturday at three o'clock. So that that was kind of nice, um, watching a different game to the one that occurred somewhere inside London um, <laughs> at the same time. Um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been an all right week. Hopefully, the assessment deadline's going to go good, and that's that was that's what we want. We want assessment deadlines good, and then after Friday. I have one more assessment left and then I'm done for the year at university. So that's going to be quite nice. How has your week been, Harry? Do you know what? I, I was the same. I was a, a Burton Albion charity match uh, just doing stuff around there. So I wasn't able to watch the game, but I, I watched it in its full HD on the highlights. And, you know, it was, it was quite upsetting. Uh, what was go- going on? I know we sort, we sort of accepted it by now that it feels like the holiday season. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, been busy. About half an hour before recording this, I've just come off BBC Radio Silent to talk about Saints, so that was quite fun as well. Nice. Uh, but we didn't really deep dive into Brentford, so that's what we're going to do-ish. Because there's, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about, but also not that much to talk about because it feels like it's quite similar to the weeks that have just passed. And I want your review of the match against Brentford. We lost 3-0, two goals in 77 seconds for Janssen and Visa. Sort of put the game beyond us uh, with a quarter of an hour gone and then with 11 minutes left, Christoph Ayer, who a lot of Saints fans did want to, to buy from Celtic. He scored what was almost a striker's goal how the way he's like swished past Salisa and then nutmegs Fraser Forster. But yeah, what, what was your review of the game? It wasn't great, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah, Christian Eriksen's quite good. Um, he just kind of is. Uh, Ivan Tony's a very good striker. When you give him chances to, sc- uh, to, to you know, score goals, he can create goals quite nicely as well. He didn't get a goal, but he got an assist um, and created a lot of chances. Um, I think it, it was just a shame wasn't it it was just kind of sad how it happened just and it's it's a new way that we found to lose a game uh, conceding two goals in literally 70 seconds um, it's a new way that we've discovered that conceding two quick goals can ruin the entire 90 minutes um, 
but yeah I, I mean you've we've probably heard all the comments of like you know your your ex-managers going oh you've got to make sure that once you concede the first goal you just keep the ball and you don't let anything happen and you kill the game for five minutes and you don't go too behind quickly and all sort of that talk and it's right but <laughs> yeah it, we didn't help ourselves like the two quick goals killed any sort of momentum we could have got I mean Adam Armstrong got an offside goal the goal was quite clearly offside um, but he did get an offside goal and it was nice to see him finish a chance that was quite good um, but yeah it was just quite a meh afternoon of football yeah, I think Matt is probably the right way to go. Thankfully, because Leeds obviously lost to Chelsea and they just keep getting red cards left, right and centre. We are not in relegation danger unless they overturn the 18-goal the swing. But something I did pick up from that the Brentford match is it, it does feel that we're, we're conceding a quite a few from set pieces. What, what's gone on recently? Is it because we don't have Jan, uh, not Jan Vestergaard, Yannick Vestergaard, that it sort of feels like we can't clear the danger as much as you know when we have a six foot eight, six foot eight centre back? Sorry, you can get rid of it. It doesn't. I don't know if our markings correct. It feels like a lot of our tall players are, are not. They're all in the six yard box, but they're not, they're not marking the most important players. Is that because the opposition are quite smart and they get away from them? What's going on there? Um. I don't know. Uh, the 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 actual like well, our set pieces. How many have we conceded from this season? How, how many set piece goals have we conceded? We've conceded fifteen goals from set pieces this year, which is our third highest in the league, behind Leeds and Leicester, who are god awful at defending set pieces. They conceded yeah. eighteen apiece. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not an advantage to us. I, 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 again, I listened to uh, on the way home from Haven. I listened to the entirety of the show because we were the only game in the south um, on Saturday that was being broadcast by Radio Solent. So the entire show was just about Southampton. So I, I heard Dave Merrington at the end, and he was just saying like, "We're too zonal." Uh, I think I think there's a balance. You can do a balance of zonal marking and man marking. I don't think you can go completely zonal because then you've got four or five runners onto the ball and you've got no momentum behind you, no blockers, no nothing. Um, and I think you can't go completely man marking because there's some areas of the box you do want to protect. You want to be able to protect your front post. You want to be able to make sure that if that ball goes in towards the front post, that's where most goals are scored. Is like you're in swinging, um, you're in swinging corner is where most shots get uh, created. Oh no, your out swinging is where most shots are created. Your in swinging is where most goals are scored. So if you're going to do an in swinging corner into the front post, you just see flick ons that go in and all that sort of stuff. So that's what you try and prevent. So that's why when Southampton defend like a corner. Um, you will find uh, three um, it, it, we have three men on the edge of our six yard box don't we, we usually have Ben Rec on the far right, close, well closest to the ball, um, he's there and then you have Salisu and then you have someone like Romeo, um along that sort of three, so we have Ben Rec there to make sure that if the ball goes in towards the front post, it can be nodded away by him because he's probably our best header of the ball Um but it's just like Brentford are very clever at that set pieces we knew that coming into the game that they're very clever at their set pieces and we sort of managed to wriggle our way round like especially like deep free kicks and all that sort of stuff with how high we hold our line 
um, and and how we can usually catch a team offside. But of course, teams are getting uh, very aware of that and finding ways around it. I always remember. Do you remember? You know when Aston Villa beat Liverpool seven two uh, last year yeah. during COVID. One of their goals was scored because. Tyro Mings made a completely unmarked run round the back post so Liverpool played their really high line and he made an arced run so even when the ball was coming into the box no one was tracking his movement towards the back post he tapped it across goal and Ollie Watkins had an open goal to score so teams are getting like finding ways around the way that teams are defending uh, free kicks and corners and that's why set piece uh, coaches are being bought in and, and like Brentford utilise it very very well um, so, yeah, I mean, if you defend your set pieces better, you don't concede 15 goals this year from set pieces, which is obviously an issue. But it feels like it has always been an issue for us is defending set pieces. I was trying to find like some stats behind it over the last couple of years, um, how Southampton have done defending set pieces. Um, but I can't find anything at the moment. Well, what, do you, what are your thoughts on it? What, what's your opinions on it? It's always quite interesting. I I don't know if the two should link or do link or or anything like that. But because we seem to so score so many from set pieces, maybe that's because War because War Prowse is five or six from actual five goals from actual free kicks. Maybe that stat is you know gone through the roof because of that. But I'm surprised there's not a link between. If you're good at scoring them, you're probably good at con- uh, not conceding them. Maybe that's because you can get your head first to the ball or maybe it's also because if you know how to score them in training you probably know how to defend them as well to, or defend against it do you think there's any any link there well clearly there's not if we're, we're so good at attacking but also defending them but it, it is quite quite frustrating and that seems like a com- quite a common source of goals where at times especially at the start of the season because of the high line that we played it sort of felt like we were quite good at them and it sort of just dropped off Oh yeah, from um, there there was an improvement in Hassan. I think it was his first year. I think it was twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. I just found this on Statsbomb. It's amazing. Uh, we had a forty percent decrease in the expected goals we were conceding from set pieces. Um, so we we massively improved the way that we were defending our set pieces, and it does feel like we haven't adapted. I think I think that's something that. Like I, I know we'll probably get onto the topic of conversation of Ralph in in a couple of well maybe in part two or part three probably, mm. um, but I think he adapts but he adapts late. I think he reacts late. I think he sticks to topics a little bit too much, um, for them to sort of like decrease um, in effectiveness and I think set piece is definitely one of them, like we, we defend with a high line but that's been beaten a couple of times like Laporte's uh, for Man City scoring that goal uh, in January is one that I remember which was a deep free kick that got swung we tried to play on offside and it, it didn't work um, but no, I, I'd like to see the breakdown of what set pieces we've conceded from, like is it all corners, is it all free kicks is there a reason behind how we've conceded those corners, how we've conceded those free kicks, could also just be down to like how many we concede in general. So, like, if you concede more corners, you've probably got more chance of conceding from a corner. In that way, if you give more corners away, you've got more chance of conceding a goal from like having a corner swung into the box. So that would be something as well. Instead of it being like, because if it's like we give a small amount of corners away, but then we give a huge amount of uh, goals away from a corner. 
then that could be you know a massive problem because the the statistic there will be high but we could just be like a league average statistic but we keep giving corners away because we are having trouble especially in the latter stage of this season we are having trouble possession wise we are having trouble um dominating games or or creating or stopping oppositions creating chances and breaking into our final third um, so that that's where it does become quite a big issue. Like we had fifty nine percent of the ball against Brentford, but they managed to break into our final third, create more chances, create more shot creating actions, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, like that that is like the balance of play is that even though we have some more of the ball, then we do give away a lot of chances in our final third. So you could almost just equivalent it to stop giving away set pieces like Man City have conceded one set piece goal this year and that's because they just dominate the ball and they don't give away stupid set pieces they stop play high up the field which I think is something we've stopped doing um, but no yeah I, I think just in resemblance I think set pieces is definitely something to look at um, of course when you concede 15 goals from set pieces yet you conceded uh, 42 goals from open play there's definitely one over the other of what you'd want to work on I think yeah uh, uh, and you talked about the high quality chances there I mean we we, we didn't just out, out possession them is that a right word uh, a correct word sorry but we also outshot them 18 to 19 but you know seven of them came outside the box we also had a few more corners as well What's the difference in Brentford? You know, last time we did beat them 4-1. Do you think they had more belief in themselves? Do you think we had less belief in in, in our, ourselves? Because obviously, when we beat them 4-1, that was just after we got the new owners, and it sort of that was a really good feeling around the club. Maybe Brentford looking to finish the season strongly. You know, it's their debut season. They want to see right. What's the point that we can get to now? Can we beat that this season, or, or are they going to become a Sheffield United? So. What was the difference in Brentford? Is it because of that Ericsson factor and the, they had Raya, or is it something else? I think I think when we came into the game last time, they they'd won two on the bounce, but one of them was against uh, Port Vale in the FA Cup, and the other one was against Villa. But they'd come into the game with one win in four. And then they went on that horrible run where they had to play Liverpool and Man United, Wolves. They then lost to Everton in the FA Cup as well. Then they had to play City. So they had an awful run behind us. So they were in that cycle. of They had a couple of injuries. They didn't play a full-strength side. I think Ralph matched them up tactically, didn't he? He went three at the back and sort of um, changed that up. So I think what happened this time was um, uh, Thomas Frank, that's his name. Uh, Thomas Frank played a back four which I don't think anyone was expecting he always plays a back three he's always used a back three but he went with a back four um, and played Norgard in the six and I think that's always something that we kind of struggle with sometimes especially like with when when we played against Man City we did a really good job of like marking Rodri out the game letting the centre halves have the ball and just marking Rodri out the game and I don't think we did that effectively against Norgard I think Norgard had quite an easy game um didn't really have a lot on him could just sort of play the ball around quite nicely uh what was his passing percentage like 
Um, he, he had a very, he had quite a high completion rate. He had seventy-seven point eight percent completion rate, short passing wise, and you could just spray the pool. Like his medium passes were ninety-two percent. He got right eleven out of twelve. He completed. So, like he he could just spray the ball around the park, and he was very happy doing that. He could drop in between the two centre halves as well. So, like I think that probably tactically surprised Ralph. Um, you surprised we didn't nullify that during the game though if we've done the same with Rodri early in the season you can change during the game and we know Ralph during in the middle of the season was quite good at that really so you're surprised that if Norgard was having such an effect we didn't go right you on him stop him doing and stop stop him creating and be the, the engine room there yeah I, I think that's that's one way of looking at it we had personnel out there to be able to do that we had like Stuart Armstrong out there um, who could have tucked into a three um, we 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 could have also just played a four two three one with Armstrong coming up a little bit higher. Um, that that is always something you can change, but I don't I don't know whether because I've said I've yeah like I think we adapt a little bit too late sometimes. Like Romeo came on quite late, didn't he, to sort of yeah. change the game. Once really three 0 down. Yeah, so that that probably doesn't help. Um, but I I don't know if it could be down to promises because you think like I I we're uh, we're saying we're safe I'm still on the edge um but because it's not mathematical yeah it's goal difference but anything can happen in this league we we've seen anything happen in this league so it, there's there's no doubt that it could happen um but. Uh, you think Adam Armstrong's his last couple of chances playing in the first team have come on the left wing and he hasn't really played down the centre that much. He hasn't he hasn't done that role that much. So maybe Ralph might have promised him going, Right, I'm gonna play you as a striker this time and you're gonna show me what you can do and he sort of just went with that and and wanted to give him that opportunity to be able to play as a nine. And I don't think he did a bad job. He he got a couple of chances but not a lot. Um uh, yeah, I I think it's just defensively we are just so poor. I I think defensively we are just so so poor, and it's I I I haven't watched enough of the game to go okay. That's the pattern. That's the reason why. And that's the scary thing about it is there's not really like something going. Yeah, that's the reason why. It just it just feels like we collapse so easily and give teams such easy chances. Um. And we always have to try and dig ourselves out the hole. You know, when earlier on in the season we'd score first, we'd play on the front foot, we'd we'd attack well, and, and we wouldn't let them have anything for like the first 20, 25 minutes or so, and really restrict chances early on in that first half. And it feels like we've gone backwards. It feels like we've we've sort of have to chase games now, going from a team that can sort of get up early, and and be. Um, and be a team that can lead and lose points from winning positions. Now having to gain points from losing positions is a completely different situation. So, yeah, with the fans complaining about the amount of points we've lost from winning positions, at least we're getting into those winning positions. We're not doing that anymore. So that's that's something that we probably have to change <laughs> is try and get back into those winning positions because we haven't done that in the last, what, four? Burnley, Brighton, Palace, Brentford haven't got into a winning position. Yeah. And you, you can even go before that. Our well, Palace were one nil up. Were we? Oh Christ, we were. Um, yeah, but Jan Bednarek nodded his one past. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, nodded his one. In. It was Romeo, wasn't it? I don't uh, know. I it was. It was Romeo. Both of us got it wrong. So because of that, we're going to need a break. We are going to need a break. So grab a snap. <laughs> 
grab a snack and also think about the answer to the three-man quiz if you're new around here. The three clues are a player that he played with before, during and after. This is a former Saints player this week. Jermaine Defoe, Danny Fox and Freddie Woodsman are the three answers. That's Jermaine Defoe, Danny Fox and Freddie Woodsman. Me and Mikey after that quite clearly need a break. But we're also going to talk about the defence and, you know, what needs to change. So we'll see you after this little whoosh. And we're back for the second instalment of this week's Saints Score podcast on Voice FM 103.9 as well as all of your good podcasting platforms. And if you haven't already, please just leave us a review somewhere. It's always much appreciated. And what me and Mikey would appreciate is if Southampton could defend better, but we can't have everything. And Mikey, what I want to ask you... Is so that you look at the attacking four and you say, do you know what? Yes, you can take. You know, I take him out. I put him in. You know, Brozier and Armstrong. They, they haven't been in the recent couple of weeks. And then bang, they're straight in the starting eleven. Is it that easy to do the same with centre back? Because it feels like they need they need a partnership, and that's maybe why Salisu and Bednarek were getting a lot of football. You know, should we get should we chuck another player in there? Should it be Stevens instead of maybe Bednarek, or should it be be Lianco or? is Ralph just trying to build a partnership between the two? Because really, I think he wants those two to be the long-term option. They're both a really good age, and if they grow a good partnership, it could be something special, or they, or is he pushing for something that just won't work? Uh, I, I, think, I think just having, like, saying centre-halves need a partnership, I think that's a little bit... like. Uh, every I think every position on the pitch needs a partnership, especially in the system that mm. Southampton play in your four two two two. Like I think every position needs a partnership. I mean you can draw lines between every single position, going from centre half to centre half, centre half to full back and then full back up the wing and I think <coughs> you can always have your partnerships down there. We know how important like Warprouse or Amayo have been um in in those last uh, well, the last three or four seasons that he's been at the club. But uh, I don't. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. You think these lads have played with each other for the entire year? I, I think there's a. I think there's a person. I don't know if it's a personnel issue or a tactical issue. But of, like when you concede three expected goals, like the like it was 3.0 that Brentford got as expected goals. Mm. Um, that's bad. That is like really bad, and it hasn't been that bad. I mean, Chelsea obviously was awful, but that's one of the worst returns we've had of expected goals against us. I think second to Chelsea. That's how bad um, the defensive performance was, and you, you can't like. We know we know this team isn't amazing, but it's not a bad side. They're not bad players. You you look at that list. Salisu's being linked with Barcelona. I know they're not the Barcelona of old, but they're they're a Barcelona side. You look at Benarek. He's played at European Championships for Poland. Um, like Carl Walker Peters now as an England cap. Livermento's one of the highest rated players. I mean, he wasn't out there. Perrault got in the French team of the season last year in Ligue 1. So you you've got players that you know have quality and then you can even go like you defend from the front so you can go even higher than that you can go Warprouse wanted by some of the biggest teams in the world Romeo came through at Barcelona um, you, so you know personnel wise they're good players and let's be fair they're probably either as good or better than Brentford 
like if you go match for match personnel wise you're not saying like players like um like Matthias Janssen and Rico Henry are going to be people that can like they'll probably compete you're like a Brian and Buemo and Ivan Tony you've got similarities there um to players that we've got so I wouldn't say Brentford are like a better side than us but obviously it was a tactical thing that just let us let them rip us open whenever it happened um obviously confidence is a thing like the the sides probably rock bottom at the moment and and we know that this team is like that we know that we can go from our form in early january to our form now quite quickly and quite easily all you need is one thing to go wrong and all of a sudden we can have a run of game like this where we can't get anything right um so yeah it's I don't know I don't know I, I think Ralph doesn't know how to solve it at the moment I, I think that is that, I mean that is worrying if, if the manager doesn't know because, because you, look, think... you look at what we've played over the last couple of weeks going back so Arsenal we went so from a 4-4-2 against Chelsea we went to a back three we played a back three played a 3-4-3 against Arsenal we won we kept a very similar lineup. We played a 3-5-2 against Burnley. Kept with three at the back. Lost. 4-4-2 we played against Brighton. We drew, but that was only because of an amazing second half. The first half was awful. And then Palace was a drab game. Brentford, drab game. 4-4-2. So it, it feels like we're very much switching and playing around and seeing what we can do. And maybe it is something that Ralph's going, right, this might be a message to the board or, or something like that like, like this this running of games probably might be a positive thing than a negative thing it shows the board that there is need to recruit four or five players but I think what what's quite important um, is when you do look at the league table and you look at um, how close everything is like we were talking a couple of weeks ago of being in Europe and now we're talking a couple of weeks later um, fighting the drop zone so that's how close things can turn and it's just being a more consistent side That that's it, that's the difference in quality you need and then when you hear like when you say that's the same for everyone though exactly that which could be scary no, or very but, exciting but depending on which way it falls in the transfer it's exactly that, I don't think there's a massive I think you, you look at Watford and you look at Norwich and you go yeah there's there's a quality element there that they don't quite have to push them up higher. Like obviously they've done all right, they've done okay in this league. But when you pick up 23 and 21 points, you're nowhere near staying up. Like they're getting half the amount of points that you need to stay up. So there obviously there's a quality gap there. But you go from like Leeds up to probably Brighton or Wolves. There's not a massive difference when it comes to quality in the teams there's not a massive difference when it comes to results and runs of form and things like that like Newcastle went 14 games without a win and now they're 14th and they're above us which is quite depressing by three points Mental. so like there, there isn't you get form differences and you get differences in like how results play out but overall there's not a massive amount of quality difference between each side and if you look at like I, again I know this is a very statistical thing and we love this sort of thing but if you look at the expected points table 
like the amount of teams that are around about 30 to 40 points like we're like we've we've got expected of 42 points Villa have 44 just above us and then Everton have 40 Leeds have 40 Wolves have 39 Leicester have 38 Newcastle have 37 so there there isn't like it feels like sometimes, especially when we go on these runs of form, that we are one of the worst teams in the league. But then you look at the results we get against Tottenham and City and United this year, you can then go, we're one of the better teams in this league. So it is about... like The reason why West Ham are where they are right now is because they're consistent. And that is the most difficult thing to find in football, is consistency. And we found it in that like sort of lovely stretch of... Form where we went, what we're, we're probably saying the 3 2 win at Boxing Day uh, against West Ham to probably the 3 1 win against West Ham in the FA Cup. So from like the end of December to the start of March, we were flying and that was our run of form. And if we would have been able to even like match our first half of the season form where we just picked up lots of draws and lots of wins, well, not lots of wins, but a lot of draws. And a, and a, cu- and a couple of wins, wins, then all of a sudden you're now looking higher up the table. So that is your difference. That is your consistency of whether you can be that top ten side that Ralph wants us to be or not. And I think that will, hopefully, with the recruitment in the summer. I don't know if you've got names written down, but the likes of like Drakowski, who's uh, goalkeeper. That's how you said. I'm glad you Thank said you. it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he's he's <laughs> FM wonder kid. What a man. Uh, oh, ages, so, ages ago. Get, anyone that's got the Saints score you bingo c- you could sign You could sign list. him for like 1.4 million as a 19-year-old and he was fantastic. Such a good goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, so he's he's been talked about of £10 million uh, coming in. You've had the likes of Lewis O'Brien, who's another player from the Championship uh, from Huddersfield. But he has had a very good year and I, I like the look of him he looks quite good Gavin Banzal's obviously been talked about Josip Bukalo's been talked about as well but he's currently on loan and Tete's just come out today hasn't he that we're, we've, we're sort of nearly over the line with that we're just not agreeing on wages so you look at like some of those players and then Liam Delap maybe on loan from Man City could be a similar thing to Brozier but you look at that and you go can we add it if it's it's the story did you hear about the story of Mark Carella us trying to sign him yeah yeah, yeah because of the the, the cash yeah because yeah. it was literally 400 grand that we couldn't push over like though that's mm. what like Dragon and uh, I want to call him Dragon because it's such a cool name but that that sort of Sport <laughs> Republic ownership I've been brought in to do is to not like spend thirty million pounds, forty million pounds on the player, but on the ones that we want, we can then push that five hundred grand or push that couple of million pounds more that is needed to be able to recruit these players. So I I honestly think a summer window where we can not not really sell anyone because I think everyone can still play a part um, in the squad that we currently have at the moment. But like add four or five players of a little bit extra quality, maybe get rid of a couple of players. I think it'd be really interesting, right? Um, to sort of, I think as a podcast, uh, of course Jamie and Ollie aren't here, so unfortunately this can't be discussed. But I think as a podcast, we should have a budget that we set um, at the start of the year, Ooh. and we should have a list of players that we feel like we can recruit this season 
not have sales you can't sell players and add to your budget you just get a set budget of like i don't know 50 million pounds and you can do it off transfer market or um or like the football observatory and you can take the yeah. um you can take the transfer money from that and you will get a certain amount of money to spend this summer that we feel like is accurate and then we can try and create a squad with that money i think that is a fantastic idea for a podcast in the summer yeah, I'm putting that on the list. I've got that on the list. I've got the tier rating of who should go and who should stay. Mm. We'll put that on the list. But you mentioned about us signing four or five. If it was that easy, my only issue is, do you look at Everton, you look at Newcastle, you look at Villa, look at Palace, look at Leicester, look at Brighton. They're all going to be looking at the same sort of areas that us. They're all going to be thinking, we want to get top eight. Because all of those, all of those can look at those positions because of their budgets as well. It'll be interesting what happens with Brentford. I'm not too sure about them. But the ones that I mentioned previously, is it just about trying to get that extra 1% because those other teams around us that the ones I've mentioned I debatably think they possibly do have stronger squads maybe not Brighton but they seem you know that they're all the way up in ninth at the moment do you think it is about sustaining rather than we could try and push up but then you have to double the budget and that's not going to happen it's about just being able to hit that consistency and go because we're not going to be, be able to be like Newcastle under a new ownership where we go, do you know what? Let's take this Champions League player, let's take this Champions League player and let's take this Champions League player. I, I think that's definitely one way of saying it, yeah. I, I think it's a, there's a book um, called... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like Football Hackers or something like that. I really like, love the book. It's, like, it's something called like Football Hackers yeah. or something like that. And it basically just says that the team who spends the highest amount of wages have the most likelihood of winning the league so it's about the quality of player more than the fee that's spent on that player and I think that's something that gets lost in football quite a bit because I, I see a lot of Southampton fans on Twitter going right Dragon you need to spend £30 million on this player or £40 million on this player there's always a player out there who is undervalued who you can sign for cheaper than they need to be and yes they might not be the same quality but they might be a better fit and that's sort of the way that Southampton are going to be moulding their future uh, transfers is using that sort of system that Brentford do not exactly copying Brentford uh, but use, I think that's what they are aiming to do is using that sort of system to be able to basically go undervalue the market I know the person who has been heading up recruitment um for the club who he, I think he signed on about two years ago or so so he's had a couple of transfer windows that he's been involved with like Livramento and people like that what, Martin Glover um, is Martin Glover there's a guy called Sam Stern Sternham as well I think um, who's also been a part of it as well he was uh, taken in from Bristol City who of course have had a very good time of things using that sort of um that sort of data so sam stanton that's it um but using that sort of data element to it and he's been heading up the recruitment uh the recruitment as well so i think that's probably going to be the area where it's not going to be about the transfer fee that's spent it's going to be how can we get these players in that we can afford and then use them as because like Mark Cucurella I I, I keep using this example but he went to Brighton for 15.4 million pounds and he's been a fantastic left back for him this season I think he won the players player and the fans player of the year award at their awards evening so uh, 
obviously like he's not valued at the same as like a Ben Chilwell or something like that. I'm not saying that he's the same, but a player who doesn't cost a lot of money can still have a massive impact on the side. You look like Roman Perot. Like he's he's not been a lot of money this year and I know he hasn't been like outstanding, but he's not looked out of place in in the league this year, I don't think. And I think he's a player that can only get better. He's still quite young. Um I think he's a good signing for us. Um, uh, it's just about building that squad. I, I know, like, just saying, oh, four or five players, but they have to be four or five of the right players. Otherwise, we will be in a very similar situation that we found ourselves in the next, well, in the last six weeks or so. Because uh, I can't see it getting much better with, uh, I don't know. It, it, it usually, it usually like goes. We find something that works and we'll stick with it a little bit too long and it gets figured out and then we have to try and find a different way that it works I think that's why Ralph's been tinkering with it slightly and this is going to be another football manager reference you know on a football manager you have a tactic it works for so long and the AI works it out yeah at the end of the day and then you don't really do anything rhyme or reason or whatever you just sort of start throwing things at the wall until it sticks and then you wait for it to stick and then it sticks for like another year and a half and then you have to do the same process again I think that's currently what the process is at the moment is that Ralph is trying things and trying new things trying new personnel rotating the squad seeing what works what doesn't and trying to work out from there what can stick what doesn't stick um, and how that can sort of change because it looks it does look like teams have worked out how to play against us and we're trying to find a way to adapt that and change that um, which is it's a difficult process so we'll see we'll see, I'll find it interesting how we line up against Liverpool on Tuesday night how we're going to try and sort of change it because when we when we played Man City like I've, I've used Man City a lot but when we played Man City at home we were quite high on confidence at that point and we were quite willing to go and attack them for the first 45 minutes I don't think we're going to be as confident like that against Liverpool no. um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how we line up what personnel we use and how we try and stop that just sort of German machine that Liverpool is um, where they're so efficient in their attacking play and scary when they transition. So I think they'll find that quite interesting. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to talk about Liverpool after the break, but before that, it's your last call. And Mikey is sweating about the three-man quiz this week. Jermaine Defoe, Danny Fox and Freddie Woodsman are the three clues to a former Saints player who's played with all three of them. And uh, we'll reveal the answer after this short break the third segment of this week's saints score podcast has arrived on voice fm 103.9 as well as all of your good podcasting platforms i harry tizard i'm here with mikey maidman and we've we've already talked about the brentford game so if you're really excited you want to hear about that just go straight to the start we talk a bit about transfers as well and uh, things going on but before we get into the third segment before we talk about liverpool and maybe other bits and pieces here in the here and there we're going to do the three quiz this week the clues with Jermaine Defoe Danny Fox and Freddie Woodsman Mikey normally gets the answer does he know this week and if he doesn't does he at least have a clue or a uh, or a um, a guess I should say 
My my guess is that so I haven't got it. I've I've I haven't got it. I I don't think I was ever gonna get it. But my guess is that they came through at either Tottenham or West Ham, because uh, that's where Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe started a career at West Ham and he moved to Spurs, um, and then that would bring him up to around about the time that Danny Fox was playing, um, and then so he would have played for us in like League One. Um, and then uh, they would have. So I'm still thinking while I'm saying this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then they would have played lower league, and Freddie Woodman would have gone out on loan. But unfortunately, I don't really know. You've, you've hit all the points. I, I don't really know where Freddie Woodman has played out on loan, apart from I think he was at Swansea for a couple of years. Um, which makes me think Nathan Dyer but Nathan Dyer definitely did not play for Spurs or play for us when Danny Fox was at the club um, it's like Dan Seaborn let's go with that Dan Seaborn that's a, that's a name out of the hat that is I'm just impressed that I got Dan Seaborn to be honest do you know what that was one of my ideas I was going to do Danny Seaborn this week but <sighs> I didn't uh, but he was like he was someone that I was thinking of doing instead it's a striker like you also said in the the mid break thing when you're thinking oh what position it's Lee Barnard he started at Tottenham he made three appearances I think it was the 05-06 or the 06-07 season Uh, came to us and then uh, went on loan to Crawley where he played with Freddie Woodman because it was the only Crawley player that he'd played with that I'd heard of and I think that you might have heard of as well but yeah he was on loan at Swansea at some point as well but yeah, it's it's Lee Barnard this week. So if you got it, fair play because that was a that was a difficult one, and that was after Kevin De Bruyne scored four, and my dad triple captained him to basically win the uh, the family FPL <laughs> league. So I was feeling I was feeling extra mean after I saw. Yeah, you were a bit angry. <laughs> points, uh, and it's going to be so many more than that as well. Someone else who might be a bit frustrated. It's Thierry Small. It came out on the Daily Echo that he's getting frustrated with their lack of chances, but he would be up for going to a Championship or High League One team next season. So before we go on to Liverpool, what are your thoughts on that? Because I do quite like that at the age of 17, he's getting annoyed that he's not playing Premier League football. His ambition is high. He wants to get some senior football. He's not just happy, chilling in the under-23s or the Saints B teams, it's now known. What do you think about the situation? I think so I went I, this is coming off of a pool of one game so yeah. it's not a big pool probably accurate um but we go we're going with it Thierry Small is for 17 he is a very built lad he is he, he's big um he, he's physically very strong very quick and he's very impressive playing against Sunderland's under 23s um cuz he is just better than them um, I think it'd be really interesting. I know this is coming off the Thierry Small talk, but it'd be really interesting to see what happens to the B team, how it sort of works, how it functions. Because you've got Darnell Simi, who also out on loan at Carlisle, who'll probably get a step step up. Uh, Jack Bycroft, who was on loan at Dorchester, hey. um, he uh, he's going to get probably a step up, hopefully in his loan market as well. Unless he wants to come back to Dorchester, I'm more than happy for that. Um, but probably not best for his development as a player. Um, but yeah so I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens to the B team but Thierry Small he got given his opportunity against Coventry 
and yeah. that wasn't a fantastic game for all 11 players on the pitch let alone Thierry Small who all I remember from that game and it's probably a really bad thing to remember from that game but I wasn't there uh, was Thierry Small nodding it back to Willy Caballero almost scoring an own goal that's the only thing that I remember him doing and didn't he get taken off at half time or something like yeah. that he, yeah. he didn't have a great first half and again it's one opportunity to be fair I wouldn't want him to play against Liverpool I think that will just be That'd be brutal yeah I, that that if probably won't Salah would be I mean again like throw him in the deep end and see what happens but I don't know how well that would end um, and then Leicester away might be an opportunity for him um, but I, I just don't know like, we're obviously going to be struggling for full back um, over the summer uh, so it'll be interesting to see what recruitment looks like next summer of course we've still got the likes of Jake Vokens at the club I think his time may come and I think he might be moved on uh, during the summer as well as Kane Ramsey as fullback options we've obviously got Jan Valerie who can do a job at right back but how much trust Ralph has in playing as a right back is a different uh, question um, so yeah I mean he, he looks impressive um, especially from a physical standpoint uh, he, he's to be playing the the um, the level that he's playing at his age is like he's 17 and he's playing at a 23's level he's playing people who are 5 years more advanced than him in a footballing context yet like he's he's doing very well at that level too so yeah I don't know I'd, I'd like to see him give him more of a chance but the problem is, is there's only two games left of this season so and one of them is very difficult um, and the other one is against a very bouncy out of form Leicester side that really haven't been that impressive this year even though they're in the position that they're in they I don't think they should be um, <laughs> so, no. I think their quality have just dragged them across the line in a couple of games that they probably shouldn't have got anything uh, from so yeah it, it, it'll be an interesting one I, that's, that's what's quite interesting about this summer is that there's a couple of players that from the academy might be looking upwards and might be looking at a place in the first team because they're certainly up for grabs uh, especially with how the last six weeks have gone there's certainly places to take um, which which would be it'll be good for them it'll be good for them it'll be good for Ralph um, to inject a little bit of life in the side as well like external life um, and we'll see like because uh, uh, nothing's been announced by the club but Jack Stevens still hasn't got a new contract I suspect he has signed one but he still hasn't got a new contract none of the goalkeepers have got a new contract McCarthy obviously has known that he's probably got one Forster there has been rumours over the last couple of days that he's been offered a new contract by the club as well whether he's going to accept it or not I don't know um, but there has been rumours that he has been offered a deal uh, which I find really interesting considering we want to bring in this Polish keeper uh, like, I find that interesting that we then have Forster, McCarthy and Drakowski all going for the number one it can't spot happen. It can't um, I, not, I don't think it, it will I, I, I don't think it will and I think if the club do that they're putting themselves in a very difficult position for next year yeah. Um, I mean, it'll be the same do. as the Angus Gunn situation when we had yeah. all three on the books. It's just, for me, if they do it, they're, they're being very silly because they realise the problem that they had last time. 
keeping three senior goalkeepers happy. It's the, the perfect mix of either having two seniors and a young a youngster, or two seniors and like a Tom Heaton who's very good. I'm sort of looking at United here, but someone that probably knows that they're not going to get any football. Similar like with Willy Caballero. I think the situation you have at the moment with two seniors and then one very senior is uh, is the best. But three three people vying for literally one position and it cannot be it's not flexible it's not like you can play two goalkeepers in the same way that you can play two three strikers three midfielders three centre backs you can't mm. you can't play two goalkeepers so yeah that would be interesting but um, something that we do have to look at although it's going to be painful I imagine is Liverpool on Tuesday I imagine that they'll be looking elsewhere they've got the FA Cup final and then they've got a Champions League final the, the league's not in their hands if Manchester City win on the weekend because of goal difference it's almost impossible for them to catch uh, the citizens but what are you expecting because from what it's looking like at the moment I'm expecting pain um, I, I'm hoping they win the FA Cup on Saturday so they're not yeah. it's not a revenge game um, I I don't yeah I want them to win I know we've got friends that are Chelsea fans but just for the sake of Tuesday night I really don't want to you can say what you want I, I don't want to sit through us getting battered like this is uh, uh, it's scary you you just have to look at, to be honest like there's two ways of looking at this one we're probably going to get slapped off the park uh, but two you're going to be looking at some of the best attacking talent in the world right now uh, and that can be something that is kind of enjoyed I mean you can just look at Alisson Van Dijk Trent Mane Salah Robertson Fabinho Jota Diaz uh like that list is scary um (laughs) like you you could arguably say like in an argument they could all be talked about as the best in their position in the world arguably like all of them could get into the argument of going yeah that they could be like the best in their position Luis Diaz has been one of the signings of the season even though he's only played in the league for about four months he just has been he's been outstanding every single time that I've watched him he has been outstanding um, and it's a wonder that no one picked him up before. Like he's only just moved from Porto. He's twenty-five. Like it, it feels like he could have got a move earlier with the quality that he's producing. Diego Jota's been fantastic again this season. He's been unreal. Salah and Mane. It, you can almost argue that like Salah's got twenty-two goals and thirteen assists this year, and that's that's just an expectation now. Mm. That that is just an expectation. Trent, as much of criticism that he gets, fantastic player. Van Dyke, ah, it's gonna be great welcoming him back. Um, yeah. But no, like there's uh, there's always a chance. There's a, there's a percentage chance of it happening. I think we're gonna win. Of course you do, Harry. Yeah, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's it's the same same old Southampton thing of going oh we only turned up for the big games we didn't turn up against Chelsea so I can't imagine us turning up against Liverpool I'm just expecting 92nd minute Divock Origi off the bench that's what I'm expecting if it's a close La- game Origi will score or yeah second second to last dance second to last dance he is going to score in the Champions League final and there's nothing oh, yeah. anyone can do yeah. about it yeah it's 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 easy money for that man easy money What's um, um, what sort of atmosphere are you expecting for the game? Just, not from a Liverpool aspect, we know that they're going to bring the fans, all this and that. 
From a Saints perspective, though, it's the last home game of the season, but it's obviously been a difficult few weeks. We've not won since beating Arsenal. It feels like a month, month and a half ago. What sort of atmosphere are you expecting? Muted, slightly hostile. Um, it it will be it'll be difficult to play in that environment. I think. I, I don't see the fans like you know when the big six come down you usually see the fans get up for it because there's nothing really to play for and there's just a high expectation that we're not going to get anything out of the game I can't see it being a good atmosphere of course it depends on the first 10-15 minutes if we can yeah. sort of show something and show like show maybe like even like if it's a small slither of chance I'm sure the Northern will catch on to that and, and start going for it. But, yeah, it's uh, it'll be very dependent on how the 90 minutes goes because that is just how the swing the fan, like the majority of the fan base, it feels like, makes. Like, if it's a good... Uh, this is going to sound very simple. If it's a good game and it's a good performance, the reaction will be positive. If it's not a good performance, then it can go very sour very, very quickly. Um... And yeah, uh, we haven't had the message that always comes two weeks before a manager gets sacked of we're gonna back him. We haven't had that yet, so obviously the board are still happy and still. Well, keep on the Daily around. Mail, we sort of had it with. Um, yeah, I don't trust it. Adrian Kajumba said that Ralph's still being backed, but I think I think he is. And uh, I'm gonna finish off with some quickfire questions of what formation do you expect? Will it be a five? Will it be a four? And um, yeah, well, yeah, basically that really. Uh, probably be three back. I would have thought yeah. we're gonna try and. Uh, I just don't want us to fall into the mistake of man marking the front three because we're not gonna be able to do that. But that's probably what it's going to be. Is we're gonna try and man mark the front three with our three centre halves, and then that's gonna put a lot of strain on the midfield. Whether it's gonna be a three or a three or a two, if it's a two, it's gonna be a lot of strain. If it's a three, you can sort of maybe get away with it. But with a two, it's going to be a lot of strain that you're going to get out of that. Because um, we know how bold that they can be. It'll be interesting to see what Liverpool play as well. Because we know the front three are very good and they can be rotated quite nicely. You've got Salamane, Jota, Diaz, Firmino. That can all be rotated and they, they can all play all three roles. So that's not a massive issue for them. It's where everything else comes. Like you, you gotta expect like Thiago's probably gonna play the FA Cup final. Henderson will probably play the FA Cup final. So if they want to rest him, you've still got James Milner, Oxlade Chamberlain. He's had a couple of starts this year. Um, not too many though. Maybe may even looking at like Canate might come in for one of Van Dijk or Matip. So there might be an element of rotation um to the team i can't see there being much because there's still a chance that they can go on and win the title even if city win on the weekend um there's still always a chance even with the goal difference swing um but yeah it's it's going to be hard it's going to be very hard to get something out of it i know you said quick fire question i didn't really go quick fire did i no that's fine by me because it means that we can sum it up lovely by saying, what's your score prediction for for Tuesday? Um, Which was weird. Oh, we'll just uh, positive. We'll squeeze a one nil. It's not going to happen, but we'll squeeze a one nil. 
Yeah. Thing is, the problem is, I I listen to other Saints podcasts, and they they're smart because they go realistic. It just it feels like I'm lying when I say that every week we're going to say I'm going to go one nil, but it's just it's just in my nature. My nature. You're like Mark to say that Saints... You can't you can't bet against the Okay. Now you said that. I'm saying we're going to lose three <laughs> nil because I, I don't I don't like those those sorts of comparisons. So uh, yeah, I, I'd imagine there'll be a three nil loss, but positively thinking. We're going to scrape a 1-0 and we're going to walk away with three points, hit the 43-point mark and then hopefully get a win against Leicester to make it 46. And that means we would have improved on the season before. But what do you think? At Saints underscore score, tweet us or at Voice FM Radio. And hopefully yours are positive as me and Mikey. You say that we're going to win. And, you know, if loads of people tweet us, maybe the Saints players see that and maybe they, they go, do you know what? Yeah, we can win. Because at the moment it does feel like they're, they're lacking a bit of confidence. Uh, next week we will review the Liverpool game and hopefully we can talk positively. We'll probably also look at other points because there's going to be a loads and loads of things that come up. Because just recently, loads of transfer news, loads of articles coming out. And, you know, the Saints world, it always turns. And we'll be previewing the Leicester game as well. And also we talk about the the game against Wolves women as well because Saints, they could be promoted to the Championship. So we might, we might have a little discussion about that as well. But it's been me, Harry Tizard. I... I've been with Mikey Mageman and I know he doesn't like talking near the end of the episode so I'm not going to make him say anything and we will see you next week it's out me like that that's nice